Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app? It's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And summer is churning along. That means I have a little bit of spare time. I have to get certain things done before training camp begins. That is the grind from July basically 27th through January 3rd. Not many off days in there. That's just the nature of an NFL season. So today, what did I find a way to get in? A root canal. I've said for the last few years the Broncos offense reminded me of a root canal. I would say today's root canal was actually worse than the Broncos offense. I think I'm going to complete this day by mowing the lawn in 100 degree heat and then rubbing a cheese grater along my shins. My dentist is great. It's not him. My teeth are a mess and that root canal was not not a not a joyous experience. But we do have some good news to talk about for once when it comes to the Broncos and their quarterback position. And that's because of Peyton Manning. He was the last reason to celebrate the position. And now he's the first thing we will talk about today in our program. And also later, I will catch up with my man, Brandon Stokely, one of Peyton's good friends. But I'm talking not just about Peyton Manning with Brandon, but his journey to the NFL. It's a pretty remarkable story. You step back and widen the lens. You know Brandon from his work from noon to three on 104.3 The Fan with his host, Zach By. But he had a remarkable career both in college in the NFL, Super Bowl champion multiple times. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on his experience in football and also the current Broncos. But first, we talk about one of his guys, one of his best friends, and that is Peyton Manning. Manning this week was elected to the Broncos Ring of Fame, 35th member of the Ring of Fame. Listen, this is a formality. Obviously, Peyton was going to go in at some point. He's in the Hall of Fame. I will be back there for his induction this August, along with Steve Atwater, my guy from Broncos Minute, every Friday night on Denver 7 at 10 p.m., shameless plug. But Peyton Manning, you just sometimes forget what we had when he was here. I know I didn't take it for granted because I was covering his last few years of his career, and the things he did on the football field were breathtaking, and they've only been amplified in their greatness since his absence, since the Broncos have had 10 starting quarterbacks since Manning retired, two with a winning record. Trevor Simeon, and Brett Rippon. That would help explain why the Broncos have missed the playoffs for four straight seasons, uh, excuse me, five straight seasons, and have had a losing record for four straight years. But Manning, he was remarkable here. And here's how you know how great he was. He did all this in four years. It, to a lot of us, it feels like he's a Bronco. I mean, he created his legacy and carved it in Indianapolis, where he won a Super Bowl. He submitted it 
in Denver with the Broncos and in Denver where he still makes his permanent home. Uh, he went and won the AFC West four straight times, absolutely dominated the division. He was like goodwill hunting on the chalkboard when he would go up against defenses in the AFC West. That's how who he was, Will Hunting, just solving the equation, making people look silly. How about them apples? That was Manning for four years in this in the AFC West, and he dominated on the road in a way that the Broncos hadn't seen since their back-to-back Super Bowl championship teams. But in 2013, again, he cemented his legacy with the single greatest statistical season in NFL history, 55 touchdowns. I mean, now we talk about how the offense can't score 21 points a game, and they haven't since he retired. Manning sneezes 30, 35 points. I mean, it was nothing to uh, have four scoring drives in the first half of games with Peyton Manning. I mean, he had seven touchdowns against the Ravens, for heaven's sake. I mean, there are times that you look at the Broncos' offense and wonder if they're going to have seven touchdowns in the first eight games. And when you look at their quarterbacks and touchdown passes, I mean, you don't want to compare him to Peyton Manning. Just put it that way, because it will just make you miserable. But Peyton Manning goes into the ring of fame. Only four players have gone in with only spending four years with the Broncos, and that is the minimum number of years for eligibility in the ring of fame. And the others are Frank Frank Chapuca, Charlie Johnson, John Lynch, who's also uh, going into the Hall of Fame this summer, and Peyton Manning. And other, there were other guys up for discussion, and, and you can understand why you would not want to go in with Manning, and they're also going to celebrate Mike Shanahan going in. But others who received significant discussion for Ring of Fame honors for those Broncos uh, fans and Broncos country who are wondering. Tied in Riley Odoms. He was back from the or 70s. Before Shannon Sharp, he was the best tight end the Broncos ever had. Linebacker Al Wilson, uh, just an absolute wrecking ball, a heat-seeking missile in the middle of the defense. And safety Steve Foley, a great player in the 70s, their first Super Bowl team. And Trevor Price, who was a member of those back-to-back Super Bowl teams, former first-round pick. I covered Trevor as a rookie early in his career. He just wrote a diary of havoc in the middle of the field. But... You don't want to go in, frankly, with Peyton Manning because anything you would do or say would get overshadowed because it's Peyton Manning. So Manning goes in. He will go in and uh, before the October 31st game against Washington. I would assume they'll either be before at halftime. Maybe they do it before to give him a little more time. Mike Shanahan, the two-time Super Bowl champion coach, Mike Shanahan, he will go into the ring of fame on October 17th versus the Raiders. And, of course, that's funny to me. Pokes the Raiders one last time. Shanahan's never forgotten that when he was fired there that he was not paid his full uh, salary, the remaining part of his contract. So to have him go in the ring of fame while they play the Raiders, <laughs> there's definitely a little jab to the side there and poking the bear. But, hey, that's uh, I don't mind it. I don't mind that there's a little pettiness there, <laughs> frankly, because that was Shanahan. He, his record against the Raiders when he was the coach of the Broncos was absolutely fantastic. So he gets one last uh, boxing of their ears as he goes in to the ring of the fame uh, as the Broncos play the Raiders on October 17th. But Manning, there's in four years, it's hard to do more than he did with the four division titles, two Super Bowl appearances, and walking off as a champion. And when he did it, he was the first quarterback to ever start and lead two different teams to a Super Bowl title. Tom Brady has since done that this past year with the New England and then Tampa Bay. But Manning did it with the Colts and the Broncos. I mean, hard to find a guy more deserving than Peyton Manning. And frankly, it's nice to be talking about a quarterback's greatness, not about the uncertainty of 
Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, and if the Broncos will trade for Aaron Rodgers. But Peyton Manning going in was perfect timing for me to catch up with my man, Brandon Stokely. No one in this city in Denver knows Peyton Manning better than Brandon. He was involved in recruiting him to Denver in some ways. He tells that story and much more after the break. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGET. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7, and it is my pleasure to be joined by Brandon Stokely. You know him as a radio show host. Those old people like myself know him as a former really good football player. He did things besides talk about sports. Brandon, how the heck are you? I'm doing great, Troy. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. So when people ask you about your football career, you played in Louisiana. You can't escape that drawl. So they know you played somewhere in the South and you grew up there. Did, when did you start thinking you had a chance to play in the NFL? Because you don't fit the prototype necessarily in terms of height and uh, terms of weight. But when did you start thinking of Louisiana? You know what? This may not end here in college. In terms of height, weight, speed, um, athleticism, all those things, I didn't fit the criteria. So, um I'm not sure how I made it and made it so long, uh, but probably after my sophomore year, you know, I got redshirted, had a couple thousand yard seasons my freshman and sophomore year and thought that maybe, you know, if things went right, I might be able to have a chance to play in the NFL. Um, but things had to go right for me um, and, and still realized I had a long way to go. You know, the NFL, I mean, I played it back then. It was Southwestern Louisiana. Now it's, you know, Louisiana Lafayette and, um, is smaller school. Uh, you just didn't quite know how you would stack up and if you would have that opportunity. Now it's a lot different, obviously. Um, but then I tore my ACL my junior year, uh, fourth game in against Texas A&M. So that kind of threw a wrench in the plans. And, um, you know, after that, it was just, hey, try to rehab and get healthy and have a good senior season and kind of see how things stacked up after that. Well, you look, you look at your stats, you put up some crazy stats. Were you like a Wes Welker before Wes Welker? Were you a slot guy? How did you – or you used – because, you know, smaller school, did they line you up all over? Um, yeah, I was I was basically outside. You know, we it wasn't, you know, like it is now. I mean, you didn't run a ton of three wides, four wides, uh, you know, back in the mid-'90s. Um, so I was just – I was just predominantly an outside receiver, and sometimes I would go in the slot. But, um, you know, we didn't – it wasn't like we were air raiding it back then and going shotgun and four wides. Uh Nothing like that. So um, I predominantly was just outside wide receiver. And I pretty much stayed that way until really I got to Indy in 03. And then it just kind of evolved to, you know, we had two great receivers there, Marvin and Reggie. And it just kind of evolved that, hey, you're just going to be a slot receiver and stay here in the slot. And um, and I was, I was happy with that and ended up working out pretty well. But it started just as a normal outside wide receiver. Well, when I see you, you look like a baseball guy. Weren't, wasn't that part of the plan? Maybe you thought you were going to be a baseball guy? 
Because you look like yeah, you know, a mean second base, mean shortstop. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was okay. Um, and I played baseball growing up, basketball. And I actually quit football after my freshman year. I was a quarterback, and I couldn't throw the ball over 10 yards. So I knew my future wasn't in uh, playing quarterback. And so I stopped playing uh, football and just focused on basketball and baseball and ended up uh, going back to football in high school before my senior year to, to play wide receiver. We got a new coach and they were throwing the ball a lot more and asked me to come out to play wide receiver. And I said, shoot, I'll go ahead and uh, give this thing a chance and try and ended up enjoying it and having a good year. And, you know, one thing led to another and uh, got to play in college. So, uh, but yeah, certainly I love basketball and baseball. And I thought more if I was going to have an opportunity to, in college, it was going to be more basketball. Um, and uh, I did go out after my freshman year in, in college, after I got redshirted, I, I traveled with the team. And, you know, back then, you, you if you played one down, you, your red shirt was broken. Um, and I traveled with the team and uh, just decided after about four, five, six weeks that they weren't going to break my red shirt. Um, and so they just redshirted me. And my dad was the coach. And he said, hey, if you want to go out for basketball now, go give it a shot. And I did. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but, man, they, they had a good recruiting class that year. And I was standing watching a lot in practice and um, all of a sudden, you know, Thanksgiving break comes and they're practicing Christmas break starts coming up and they had like two days off during Christmas break. And I said, Ooh, this isn't for me. I think I'm gonna stick with football. <laughs> well, let's, let's call it like it is. Could you beat Zach Fire? Were you a better hoops player than Zach? You just didn't get the minutes. You didn't get the opportunity. Well, I'm more athletic than him. Certainly. Um, so you know, I, uh, a lot more explosive and quick than him. You know, he's a hustler. He's a grinder. He's got the hype on me, uh, but I'm a lot more athletic than him. So back in my heyday, yeah, I think I would have taken him down for sure. I can see that. I'm on your side, Stoke. <laughs> you got to poke the bear a little bit with that. That's it. So you're playing in college. And so five, six years later, you're playing in the Super Bowl. I remember watching that Super Bowl uh, with the Ravens. What was that experience like? I mean, you had you know, a moment, you had a touchdown, if, if memory serves. I mean, what was that experience like when you think back to, man, was I even playing college football? Next thing you know, you're, you're getting a ring with uh, a Ravens team that's still known to this day, obviously more for defense, but still, what was that experience like? I mean, you said it, Troy. I mean, just shocking. Uh, you know, there I was a few years removed from an ACL injury and back in you know, this was 97 when I tore my ACL. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a given that you're coming back from that and um, got drafted by the Ravens. You know, we were just average my rookie year. Second year, we were again, we were average. We got hot um, there towards the end of the year and had obviously a great defense and no expectations of, of playing in the Super Bowl going, never thought about it. And next thing you know, we went on a nice little run and um, you know, beat Denver, beat the Titans on the road and beat uh, the Raiders on the road. And we're going to Tampa for the Super Bowl. And I was just on cloud nine. And, um, you know, I just 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 couldn't believe it and still have a hard time believing it. Uh, but it was it was something else. It was one of those things like I just can't believe that I'm going to be playing in the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, not only playing in it, but we're fortunate enough to win it and catch a touchdown in that game. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's something else. I still kind of pitch myself and like, wow, how blessed I am and thankful I am for that opportunity. But it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, expectation, never expected to to play in the Super Bowl. I was just trying to make the football team going into that second year. I mean, Super Bowl, I mean, come on, give me a break. And then you, you get that point and then you end up with the Colts with Manning and that receiving core and that that offense, I mean, and I think you've said this in other interviews, you look back, that's when 
it started to kind of revolutionize the game a little bit. Did you have a sense there that you were walking into something special? And I guess what were your initial impressions of being a teammate of Peyton Manning and the way he quarterbacked, which was like now it seems normal, but when he was doing it, it wasn't normal. Yeah, he was a trendsetter on that for sure. You know, kind of orchestrating everything at the line of scrimmage. Um, and the way that he did it uh, was was the first. And now everybody's trying to duplicate that and doing it. Uh, uh, but, you know, when I got to Indy, I, I didn't know what my role was going to be. Obviously, they had a young receiver at that time in Reggie Wayne, and they had a proven, you know, star in Marvin Harrison. And I was just looking for an opportunity. And um, Indy gave me the best opportunity. And so... Uh, like I said, my role just kind of evolved there. Uh, I started outside and then um, one thing led to another and I just became predominantly in the slot and our offense just kind of evolved where, you know, we had great tight ends. Um, and so sometimes we'd run a lot of two tight ends or we'd run a lot of three wide receivers. We never really had a fullback on the field. If we, fullback on the field, if we did, it was a defensive lineman or, um, you know, for the most part, or an offensive lineman, something like that. So, you know, we just kind of went to our strengths and our strengths were throwing the football and letting Peyton orchestrate things at the line of scrimmage. So it just kind of evolved. It wasn't anything that I, you know, they had said, Hey, this is what I, we envisioned with you. And, um, you know, I had some injuries early on and it, our offense just evolved and it just kept evolving year after year. We had so much consistency there for those four years that I was there with the same group offensively. We just kept evolving and getting better and better throughout the off season and every season. And, you know, finally broke through there in um, 06 and, and won that Super Bowl in Miami. But, um, yeah, that was a special group. And anytime you're, you're you're a part of an offense with Peyton Manning, you know, he makes everybody around him better. And he certainly, you know, made me a lot better. Uh, you look at, you know, one year that we had there and my one year over 1,000 yards, uh, that was just once, 15 years, one year over 1,000 yards. And uh, I got to say, I get to give a lot of credit to Peyton Manning and Marvin and Reggie and Dallas Clark and Edrin and all those guys. So, uh, but certainly, yeah, that, that offense was fun to play in. Well, he demands excellence in a way I've never seen from another athlete. His attention to detail is something like I've never seen. Was there ever a bit of fear or trepidation or pterodactyls in the stomach with, you know, when he's calling audible or knowing the play, like you know, if I do one step wrong and this ball is going to be off the back of my helmet, what was it like? I guess when you get to the line of scrimmage with Peyton, I mean, you had to be studying in a way that was uh, either out of fear or out of something. Out of fear, and there was there was there was fear every single play that I was going to screw it up, Troy. I mean, every single play, you know, because he's saying so many things, he's doing so many things, and you're trying to look at the defense like, did he tell me? Wait, what did he say? And if you get it wrong, you know, he's not going to just pat you on the butt and say, that's okay. Uh, he's not going to let it go. So, um, yeah, he demands excellence. And that's what made all his offenses so good and everybody around him so good. You kind of knew the bar and the standard and, and that was okay. But yeah, you talk about fear, um, you know, fear of failure wasn't just, you know, it was because you didn't want to let him down. And, but there was a lot going on, certainly, you know, and I'm not the brightest guy, um, and, and, you know, so many audible, so many signals and changing things week to week. So it's a lot, uh, certainly it's a lot, but it's so rewarding and it was so much fun. And, you know, that's why he's just the best. Um, but yeah, fear for sure. I was every, every play scared to death. I was going to screw up. I heard you say he never showed up in a bad mood though. Cause he, I, was that his love for football or just he, I didn't, and I will say, I say never with him a lot. I never saw a guy embrace the grind. Like he did. Did he just yeah. love going to work? Because most football yeah. players love Sunday. They're not crazy about Monday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and maybe part of Friday is okay, but they're not crazy about practice. They just don't like yeah. it. 
what was it? He just embraced the grind. And that's, is that true? You never saw him in a bad mood at the facility? No, he came to work. You know, there was never a down day for him. I mean, certainly when you're struggling, um, you know, you're not in the best mood uh, if you're losing a game or two. And, uh, but he always came and brought it every single day. There was no letdown from him. There was no like, Oh, I'm tired today. You never sensed that. And, you know, when your leader and your captain uh, is always bringing it a hundred percent every single day and is checked in, um, and is demanding accountability from himself and putting all those all those hours in and working the way that he worked and was so detailed oriented. How could you not follow that? Um, but yeah, every single day he brought it. You know, um, you know he wasn't always in the best mood, but I never saw a day where he didn't bring it a hundred percent. Which to me is remarkable. I mean, we all wake up and go to work and just like, man, I just don't feel like going to work today. You know, I'm tired. I'm sore. Uh, even in the off season, you know, some of those workouts is just like, man, I don't feel like going to work out today. I'd rather be on the golf course. And he brought it every single day. And to me, that just speaks volumes about his makeup and his mindset and mentality and how much it meant to him. Well, you end up, you win a ring in 06, but you were hurt much of that year. You win a ring with the Colts. You've played in the Super Bowl. And then I'm watching the Super Bowl and I see Brandon freaking Stokely in a commercial. What the hell? What's going on? I'm I'm like, am I? Do I need to get a Michelob Ultra? Like, what's his in? Like, what was that like? Did Peyton ask you? Or and I mean, I I get that it was kind of just hanging out with friends, but how did that all come to pass? Well, I asked Peyton to be in it actually, and uh, pulled some strings to get him into it, and uh, you know, worked some magic. So I got him into it, and uh, I tell you, that was the highlight of my uh, my life right there. You know. uh, being in a Super Bowl commercial was so cool. Uh, yeah, he reached out to me a day or two before and uh, yelled up to my wife. I said, hey, I'm going to Los Angeles. I'm going to do this. And flew out the next day, went out there, and Spike Lee was directing it. And it was a blast. It was a blast. Had so much fun doing it and got a little bit of airtime. So it made it worth it. And, um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Nickelodeon Ultra. Huh? How about that? I, I can't believe I made it into a – a Super Bowl commercial, but it was a lot of fun. It was a different experience for me. I'd never done anything quite like that, and, uh, but had a blast doing it and was uh, very thankful to be a part of it. I mean, you downplay it, but I, I would believe that you have meshed with Manning in part because you're crazy competitive. I know that about you. You wouldn't necessarily say it, and you do have a dry sense of humor. Has that been the key, that your, your friendship with Manning? is that, you know, I was friends with Todd Helton. I don't see Todd as much, but Todd had the driest sense of humor of any of it ever been in my life. And if you were going to be around him, you had to relate to it or it would drive you bananas. What is what is the key to relating to Peyton Manning, a guy with a photographic memory? So you can't even fool like most of your friends that you never right. said something because he even remembers everything. He does. Um, he, he certainly does. I think, you know, we're both wired the same. We met in college um, and formed a little bit of a friendship then at his Manning Passing Academy and kind of kept in touch in the NFL a little bit when we played against each other. And I would see him in the summer at the Manning Passing Academy. And uh, then we became teammates and we are, we're just wired the same, you know, we love to compete at whatever it is. Um, And so, uh, and we both love golf and we love to compete. And, you know, every time on the golf course, it usually ends the same and we're not talking to each other uh, by the end of the the round. And, you know, we're pissed off at each other. And uh, then the next day it's all fine and we're making fun of each other, but we just love to compete. You know, it's all about winning and losing. And uh, that's kind of how we're both wired. And, um, you know, he, he, he brought out the best of me on the football field. Um, But, you know, for me, I I don't like to lose at anything Uh, when it comes to practice and it comes to competing one-on-one drills, whatever it is. I don't like to let the other guy feel like he got the better of me and, 
And that, obviously that's how Peyton's wired. And so I think that's why we get along so well. We're kind of wired the same that way. And you stored him in your basement during the recruiting process. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. without you, there's no ring of fame, right? This week, it never happens, right? No, no, I take all credit for that. So all Broncos fans should send me a thank you note, um, certainly, because uh, without that, you know, probably wouldn't have happened. That hospitality that I had here for him and just rolled out the red carpet. And I mean, what a fun time that was, though, how unique that was. And I really never thought he was going to pick the Broncos. Um, really? You know, I, I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. You know, it was almost like it was too good to be true. Uh, right. And obviously I came back that year and played in 2012, his first year here, but I was never expecting to come back and play. I was kind of done with football in my mind. Um, but I just was, I was, you know, the thought of him playing here and having my son be able to watch him play and uh, him living in this city, uh, it's just like, man, that, that's too good to be true. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And I don't want to get my hopes up. And then he actually called, I told him, I said, Hey, just do me one thing, just call me and let me know before it gets announced. Um, I just want to know, give me a heads up. And and he called me and said, I'm signing with the Broncos. It's going to be announced here shortly. Um, and I was just shocked. I was, I was, I was shocked. Now he was doing all his research and we were talking, but I never, you know, I, I wasn't pressing him and say, Hey, what do you think? Where do you think you're going to go? I just don't operate that way. And um, obviously he was putting a lot of thought into it and, and homework into it. But when he told me that I just couldn't believe it. I was so happy. And then, you know, I was so fortunate again to be able to play with him that first year. And we had so much fun. It, it certainly ended in a big disappointment. Uh, but that season was just uh, so much fun in 2012 with him. And um, just going through that process with him to a certain degree, having him stay here at the house and just seeing all the stuff that he was going through and um, was unique. And it was just it was just really cool to kind of be behind the scenes then. I was covering a sorry Rockies team that year. That was many years <laughs> of my life. But I remember that Monday night game against the Chargers. You had a huge catch. I mean, I was just like telling my wife, you know, because I grew up watching John Elway. And I was just like, man, this is going to be fun. Like every game you're in, when he's your quarterback, you feel like you can win. And that game that night, I was just like, oh, wow. Wow. It's all starting to come together. Yeah, that was kind of that game that it clicked for us that second half. And we got things rolling there. It took a little while to get going. And, uh, once it did, you know, it's just like, all right, we got something special here. And we had a special group of guys. And uh, there was just kind of a lot of us just thrown together, um, some on the tail end of our career, some in the middle, and some that were just, you know, afterthoughts. And, um, you know, it was just such a fun group and great guys. And we had so much fun. Um, and it, it was disappointing the way that um, that season ended. Uh, but I always look back on that, on that season with, great memories and a smile on my face. And that's sports, you know, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them, but you know, you put everything out on the line and that's all you really can do. And that's what we did that year. And uh, I was just so happy to see that eventually um, what happened, you know, for the Broncos and Peyton, that they did end up getting that Super Bowl and how great that was for him and for the city of Denver and state and uh, for, for, for that organization. So I was really thrilled that it ended up happening for him, but, uh, but certainly that year in 2012 was, was just a, it was just a magical year. It's crazy because you know I coach kids from their age five to eighteen. My own sons, one's graduated, played college ball. The other one's still playing college baseball. But we tell kids because when you and it brought that memory up when you were telling your story, nobody remembers what you hit in summer ball. Like nobody remembers that, but they will remember if you were a turd as a teammate. Like they'll remember which guys on the team were good guys. So we start like 
just be good guys because these guys are going to be your friends like that's what you're going to remember and when you talk about that it just brought that memory right. back that that's how you you know you don't remember your stats like you know someone but it's like i remember that dude i remember that moment in practice and that's what but that's why sports are so fun they bond us and you have stayed in sports brandon i think you did the symposium maybe that's what led to radio but what led you into media um and i say that because you might have led me to denver seven i saw a young handsome maybe a little older rugged handsome athletic guy height challenge and i'm like i should be at denver seven when i saw that opening you you paved the way for me yeah just uh it was funny how it all worked out troy um uh, for me you know I, I when i was done with football uh, i wanted to take a couple of years off and kind of see what i wanted to get into next and i did i spent time with the family played a lot of golf and uh, was really enjoying myself but i said i need something to do and uh, Armin Williams, uh, the, used to be the program director, um, at 104.3, the fan and just reached out to me out of the blue and kind of offered me the job. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. Um, but I said, you know what, I'm up for the challenge. Let me just try it and see if I like it and if I enjoy it. And if I don't, Hey, there's nothing binding me to them or them to me. Let's give it a shot and see. So I just decided to give it a try. And, you know, three hours a day, I was just thinking that's a long time to talk. And, um, obviously I wanted to put a lot of work into it and try to be good at it. Um, and so I just decided to go for it and I did had some, some rough times there and just learning the ropes and learning how to do radio. Obviously it's different. And I never, I'd filled in and done some every now and then, uh, but obviously it's different when you have your own show and just trying to learn the ropes and get better and kind of approach it like I did in football, just always just, just working and just trying to get better and improve and, um, and it's been a blast, you know, I've been doing it, I don't know, four or five years now. And it's, um, it's, it's been an absolute blast. And I got a great partner in Zach by now, and we have a lot of fun and Troy, you join us, um, you know, and, and it's just great. It, it, it's been great, but I never would have really thought that I would have been doing radio and, uh, for as long as I have, but I've really enjoyed it. And it's been fun, especially, um, you know, here in Denver, when you look at what's going on with the abs and nuggets and, the Broncos got a good roster this year and hopefully they can bounce back. But, you know, I've, I've had a blast doing it. Just challenged myself to try to do something different and and seeing if I liked it. And I ended up loving it. And I, I love it every single day going to work for three hours, uh, you know, noon to three right in the middle of the day. And it's just perfect. Well, when did it ever get difficult? Because when you're talking about players, some maybe you played with when you first did it, that when you're critical players, and that's what I, one thing I appreciate about you, when it's good, you call it good. When it's bad, you call it bad. You don't try to sugarcoat it. But a lot of former athletes, when athletes criticize them, that's a tough line because they're like, hey, you're my guy. Like, you know how hard this is. Was that ever difficult? Or did you just decide, what well, if I'm going to do this, this is the way I have to be me. Like, how did you get to that point to kind of have that freedom to just kind of be yourself? Yeah, it's, it is difficult, um, you know, especially when you got friends, um, former teammates that are playing. Um, and if you have to criticize them and be critical of what they're doing. Um, and I've always tried to be fair. Um, and you, you never try to single anybody out, whether they were your teammate or not. I just try to call it like I see it and be fair and honest. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's just kind of how I, I've, I've approached and learned that's just the best way to do it. You know, you have your opinion. Um, and as long as it's fair and you're not going, you know, overboard with it, I think most players um, will respect that. I know when I played, I didn't 
I try not to watch or, or listen to a lot because I'm sure a lot of people were dogging me. Um, it's best just not to hear it. But nowadays it's hard for these guys because of social media and Twitter and because somebody can reach out to them and say, hey, Stokely said this about you. And, and half of it's not even true. You know, they don't even hear everything. Um, uh, but uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's difficult and guys get it from everywhere. And um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day for me, I just try to be honest um, and just be fair. And, and, and that's what you have to do. If not, um, you know, it's tough to do. It's tough to do radio or any media if you're just not honest and fair. Yeah, the audience, especially here, if with because it's a critical viewing audience, it's very uh, into sports. You just you have to. And I think you do a really good job of being fair and balanced with it. And that that is the key. And I'll go right into that. This Broncos team, let's focus on the main story because it always is the quarterback situation. How do you see it with Teddy Two, Teddy two Gloves and Drew? Uh, early impressions of that? And are we all just sitting here waiting that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to fall into the Broncos' lap? Yeah, I mean, everybody would be praying here, I'm sure, that uh, you know that would happen. I'm not expecting Aaron Rodgers to get traded. I'm just not. I just – you look at the situation and – I just think that Green Bay is going to wait it out at least a year. And if he doesn't show up, then he doesn't show up. And then possibly they trade him next offseason. But what do they have to gain by trading him right now? Um, I, I just don't think a whole lot uh, because you're not getting those draft picks till next year anyway. So um, I, I think they're going to wait it out. And the Broncos are, you know, they, they got two guys. You know, and I think that's what it's going to be this year. It's going to be a competition. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I think George Payton, first year general manager, is taking the cautious approach here and kind of seeing how this year goes, trying to build this roster. And I think next offseason, you'll see him make a play for a quarterback, whether it's draft, a trade, or free agency. Uh, because usually when you have two quarterbacks, Troy, you know, you don't have one quarterback. And competition, usually it never ends up in a, uh, a good situation for the team. It just usually doesn't. Um, so, uh, Teddy Bridgewater early on to me, I've been to one practice, you hear different things and I can't wait to watch, you know, hopefully be able to watch training camp every single day this year and see how it, how it goes. But early on, um, you know, I think Teddy has looked better to me in the one day that I've been out there and certain reports that have been out there. Um, but it's still early. It's still early. Um, and this thing's got a long way to go. And I'm just hoping that one guy takes this thing and holds on to it. Usually what happens is when you have these competitions, one guy wins it, you know, he'll play okay, and then I have a couple of bad games. And what happens? You bench him, you put the other guy in, he plays average, and he's go back to the other guy, and it's a flip-flop, and it's usually a nightmare. I mean, that's how these things usually work. It's it's usually a never good, never a good thing. But this Broncos roster is really good, and this defense can win them football games. they got a lot of talent around the quarterback position. So as long as one of these guys can manage a game and not turn the football over, the Broncos should be in a lot of football games this year. Well, that's my final question. And again, Brandon Stokely has been kind enough to join me. And again, you, those of you only know him on the radio, go and Google his stats, do some YouTube. Brandon was a, a, a terrific NFL player. Um, and he, he doesn't talk about that as much. It's not the topic anymore, but I'm just saying, appreciate uh, the kind of the context and the lens in which he views the world, especially NFL. And I'll ask you this and finish this with this, Brandon. You've always had a realistic take on the Broncos, and you were on it a couple of years ago when they were bad. You you kind of sensed it. Um, I see them as nine and eight. It's really I'm following the Vegas line. They have a, a crazy easy schedule at home. Bunch of cupcakes. Unfortunately, their opponents of you view them as a pastry as well, uh, based on the last four years. But what is your overall view of this Broncos team? Is this 
the end finally of the at least the losing season streak at four? I'm hoping so, Troy. I think you're right on it. I think it's eight or nine wins for them. Um, if they if everything goes right, um, they could get to 10, 11, possibly. I, I, 11's tough. You know, it's, it's kind of hard for my mind to go to 17 games now. You know, it's always been 10 to me. That's a, it's tough to get to 10. Now you look at 11, it's tough to get to 11. Uh, but if they can stay, health is always such a big factor. Um, and we saw last year with some of those injuries to Vaughn um, and other guys, how it really impacted them. Uh, so if they can stay healthy, um, this defense should be really good. There's a lot of talent around the quarterback. This offensive line should be so much better. They come, most of them, you got four guys pretty much returning um, in year two under Pat Shermer uh, and being together again, having an offseason. So this line should be um, a, a good, solid offensive line. Uh, and it, it, it comes down to the quarterback play. How does the quarterback play? Do they keep them in football games? Do they make a few plays here and there? Not asking them to carry a football team. Just don't hurt the football team and make a few plays when it matters. Uh, but but I, I see it right there. It should be a good football team. Eight, nine wins, um, possibly getting a 10. It, it could, you know, seven to 10 probably. Uh, but, but I do. I, th I think they get to right around where you're talking about a, a nine win team. And hopefully they do, you know, stop with the losing, start getting this thing headed back in the right direction because um, overall what's good for the Broncos organization is keeping this coaching staff intact, keeping Vic here and trying to have some consistency and continuity, not only with the play with the players, but also the coaching staff. And if they have another losing season, you're probably, if you're George Payton, this is your first year here, you're inheriting uh, Vic Fangio as head coach. You're probably moving on from him. Um, and so that's not ideal. Um, so uh, hopefully they do get to, you know, nine wins and, and break that losing skid that they've had over the last few years and can keep everybody intact moving forward, because usually that's the, the best recipe to try to get back to the playoffs and, and, and at one time and then, then get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. A return to relevancy would be welcomed. Um, and I know from a, as journalists, you know, I root for the story. <laughs> And them and them stinking another year is not a great story. No, like the first time they did it, yeah, the first time they did it, there's a story in it. When a coach gets fired, there's controversy, there's drama, uh, chaos. I mean, those are stories. I'm not going to be night uh, lie about that. Them being bad and boring is not a good story. So it's not. hopefully this <laughs> is the year that the uh, you know the iPhone takes out of the bag of rice there, pops back, and you hit it, and it actually Siri tells them where the end zone is. <laughs> Troy, you're all over, man. I mean, it's no fun talking about a bad football team. And, and you got to, I got to watch them every single Sunday. I can't change the channel. You know, I got to sit there and watch them, you know, in the fourth quarter of a blowout. I mean, you're still watching that football game. That's not fun. You know, four years of Peyton Manning. How much fun was that? I wasn't yeah. in the media then, unfortunately. So you, you want a team that's winning and that's fun. That's fun for everybody. It gets everybody excited. Uh, so hopefully they can get that back going again and, um, but I do like this roster. I do think they have a good roster. George Payton's done a good job. John Elway has built some nice pieces here offensively. They got some weapons uh, for the quarterback. And um, it should be a, a lot more fun year than what we've seen here the last few years and more entertaining. And hopefully they can get this thing back on track and get a winning record. Well, that's my man, Brandon Stokely. You can hear him Monday through Friday, noon to 3 on 104.3 The Fan with Zach By. Terrific show. Uh, again, the whole lineup is fantastic. And these guys are, I, I mean, full transparency. I'm on their show uh, once, twice a week. I, I love it. I wouldn't do radio as much as I do if it weren't for the cool guys that work at the fan and they make it a lot of fun. And they remember that it's sports. We're not solving the world's problems here. 
we just enjoy it. So guys enjoy talking sports and I'm hoping the training camp's normal, man. So I can see you out there every day and pick your brain and you guys make me so much smarter when I can uh, get information for you. So I really thank you for joining me, my man. Oh, I appreciate you, Troy. Uh, hopefully we're back out at training camp every single day. I love being out there and I appreciate you having me on your show. I really uh, enjoyed the chat and uh, best of luck. And it's always good chatting with you, buddy. Take care of yourself. You got it, my man. Take care. Well, you heard it all there from my man, Brandon Stokely. Love talking to Stokely. We could have talked for an hour. I mean, it was like 25, 30 minutes, and it went by in a blink. Again, you can hear Brandon every day, Monday through Friday on the radio with Zach By, noon to 3 on 104.3 to Fan. So thank you to Brandon for appearing on the podcast. Also, thank you to my sponsor, Superbook Sports and Hoggett Injury Law. My guy, Darby Hoggett, I appreciate his support as well. And you guys. Keep downloading, keep subscribing, tell your friends, tell your family if you like it. Uh, the show's only growing. We're getting positive response, positive reviews, and I'm going to keep trying to grow this thing and get momentum as we head into Broncos training camp. So thanks again for all of the, your support, both on Twitter, Facebook, and certainly as you tune in to the pod. Again, I do this pod for you in Broncos country. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.